0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to March Madness. Welcome back to some NHL talk, some NBA talk, some NFL talk. The Panthers have made a major trade. We may have 11 more years of NFL labor peace. Just this morning, ballots were sent to NFLPA members, more than 2,000 of them. Team owners have already approved this CBA proposal. Players have a seven-day window in which to vote. And they have said, by the way, that whereas they expect DeMaris Smith himself the guy who runs the NFLPA has said he expects more yes votes than no yes votes than no votes that is enough to pass again all you need is a simple majority they have said that even if everybody voted today they're not announcing the results until the end of the 7 day window so it is not at all like election night coverage where you know somebody'll say hey Darren with 0% of the precincts reporting We are calling Darren Vaught as the winner for the state of North Carolina. Some people are really taken aback by that kind of thing. They're not going to do it that way. So if everybody today on day one votes yes to the new CBA in the NFL, they're still going to wait a week. Even if 1,000 guys vote yes today, they're going to wait until the seven-day window has closed. They're going to count every ballot. At this time next week, we should find out whether or not we have 11 more years of labor peace That 17-game regular season, the most sensitive topic in the eyes of many players. But, of course, they're getting a higher percentage of the revenue, among many other benefits. In return, you can chime in on those NFL headlines of the day, if you like, at 1-800-849-2761. The Canes are in Philly tonight. The Canes are on national TV tonight. And the Canes are outside of playoff position as we speak, while still missing their top two goalies and two of their top three defensemen. Doesn't sound like a great backdrop for their trip to a Philadelphia squad to face a Philadelphia squad that has won seven straight games and has been close to unbeatable on home ice, but that is the backdrop as the Canes have lost four of their last five and the Flyers may be the hottest team in hockey. You do get John Forsland on the call, but for NBCSN tonight, our good friend Mike Maniscalco gets the play-by-play nod on the radio side as the Canes have their one and only one regular season national TV game this evening in Philadelphia. The College Hoops headlines include Duke and Carolina getting back at it on Saturday night in Durham. Wake is following the Danny Manning watch. State is following the Bubble Watch. Your questions and comments on those are welcome at 1-800-849-2761. The Blue Devils likely lost whatever opportunity they may have had to tie for first place in the regular season last night when Florida State won at Notre Dame. The Seminoles are now positioned to go 16-4. and four. They only have to beat Boston College this weekend in Tallahassee. That is about a 99% likelihood. That would make the Seminoles 16-4 in conference play. The best the Devils can be is 15-5, and, and that would be with a win over the Tar Heels. A more intriguing matchup than we would have thought for most of this season, given the Heels are on a three-game winning streak, given the Heels pushed the Devils to the limit in Chapel Hill earlier this season. You can chime in with your question or comment on that at 1 1 849 2761 DG, which team should I be watching if I'm a Wolfpack fan? I like your advice. Control what you can control by winning, but it always matters what the other guys do as well. Yeah, State's got to beat Wake tomorrow. State's got to win its first game in Greensboro. And then State, to be safe, needs to win on Thursday in Greensboro against one of those top four seeds. We don't even have the full bracket yet, but we do know that if State wins Wednesday, they'll face, of course, One of the teams that gets the double bye. So your opponent, if you're NC State on Thursday, will be, regardless of how the seeds shake out, will be one of Duke, Louisville, Florida State, or Virginia. And a win over any of those would be exactly the kind of signature win to get you from the wrong side of the bubble to the right side of the bubble. But of course, you're watching others who's right around you or sometimes right in front of you, root against Stanford, root against Cincinnati root against Texas, root against UCLA. And there are others who are positioned similarly as you are as Wolfpack fans or players or coaches. Utah State, Richmond, Purdue, Rhode Island, Mississippi State. It's not just about you, but it is first about you. So NC State... One foot in front of the other, beat Wake tomorrow, and then head to Greensboro thinking you better win two games there at least to feel good about your chances on Selection Sunday. 1-800-849-2761. If you'd like in on any of these headlines, NHL, NBA, NFL, or college basketball. The one weird thing I promised, and I've told y'all, that even after practicing law for 17 years, a lot of contract law, a lot of trusts and wills and estate law, Uh, Some constitutional law, some First Amendment law within constitutional law. I'm not an active attorney as we speak, but I cherish those 17 years I spent as an attorney. And I really believe that every single day I apply something that I learned in law school long, long ago. I'm one of those people. You you see a lot of unhappy lawyers out there, man. I'm glad I was a lawyer. I'm glad I can go back to being a full-time attorney if I need to. I'm glad that I have the wisdom and experience that I learned. With my law degree and my law practice. Why do I bring this up? You are not bound to remember Darren Vaught, but now that we're together, this is our fifth year together. Are we just
1: starting year five? As uh, of next week, we are starting year five. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thanks. Uh, should Same I get you, you a gift? Is that appropriate? No. Well, I mean, I, I should, you're always encouraged, yeah. or I'm never discouraged. You know that I don't accept gifts. gifts from right. interns yeah, yeah. or producers, yeah.
0: ever not birthdays, anniversaries, not Christmas, period. You guys do enough for me that all gift-giving should be in the opposite direction, and I hope I take care of you guys for meals and beverages and other things as often as possible. You're not bound to know this, but I'd be impressed if you did, given our four years or so together. There are three classes from law school, one of them applying to a case in front of the Supreme Court right now involving the Direct TV NFL Sunday ticket. And a class action lawsuit filed on behalf of NFL fans essentially saying that the idea that the only way an NFL fan can get every game for an out-of-market team, you all know how this works, if you live in North Carolina or South Carolina and your favorite team is the Panthers, you're going to get all of those games without having to file, you know, sign up for NFL Sunday ticket through DirecTV. If you live here but your favorite team is based somewhere else, there is one and only one way to make sure you see every one of their games. Now, you might get lucky a couple times a year, and they're just in the broadcast game of the week, AFC or NFC, CBS, maybe a Monday night game, Saturday night game, Sunday night game, etc., Thursday night as well. But if you want to see every game for your favorite team and you don't live near that favorite team or you're not in their geography as the NFL defines that, the only way. One and only way, and that sounds monopolistic, doesn't it? One and only way to get every game for your out-of-market favorite team is to buy DirecTV's NFL Sunday ticket. Now, I have never purchased it myself. I believe the typical price range is $250 to $300 a year, something in that neighborhood. Angry NFL fans hired antitrust attorneys. That's a big hint, Darren, for my three classes in law school that still give me headaches almost 30 years later. Like, antitrust, I think, is number one on the list. Antitrust law, the professor would volunteer himself that, in his opinion, the members of the United States Supreme Court weren't all that great at antitrust law. And I'd be thinking to myself, dude, if they're not very good at it, how the heck can I, at the age of 23 years old, be expected to be you know, to fill in my exam well enough to impress you when you're taking shots at the actual Supreme Court members, theoretically among the brightest legal minds in our land, much older than I, much more experienced than I. If you're not impressed by their knowledge of antitrust law, what shot do I have in your class? I really thought I talked to him about that. He just laughed at me. He never really gave me an answer to any of my questions. I would write into my blue book, though, This is where I get a little worried, because if the robed ones, if the nine robed ones can't figure this stuff out, I know that I'm neck deep and possibly drowning here at the deep end of the pool. So NFL fans got antitrust expert attorneys to file this lawsuit on their behalf, and it basically says this is a monopoly, and because there's only one way to get it, Darren, if you had a gas station and you just kept jacking up prices to gouge the consumer... What in our market society is preventing you from keeping that price really, really high? What are you going to have to pay attention to? Maybe intern Will has his own gas station. Maybe it's on the opposite corner at the same intersection at Main Street, mountains of Southwest Virginia town that Darren Vaught grew up in, right? You and Will are either conspiring, by the way, free legal advice, That would be a massive violation. (laughs) That question on the antitrust test, I got right. If intern Will has his gas station and you have yours and you're supposed to be competitors and you're secretly conspiring to falsely inflate gas prices, that question I got right on the exam. You guys are both guilty as sin and you're going to be in big trouble. So you can't do that. That is anti-competitive. That is against antitrust law. So the question becomes, is the NFL essentially conspiring? By keeping the TV package with DirecTV only, are they jacking up the price falsely by keeping it a monopoly? Rather than in most other contexts, don't you have options? If you want to watch whatever, man, you've got nowadays, you can sign up through a specific school and catch all of their action, Right. You can get the all-everything pass at our mythical Podunk State University. That's one way. you got cable options. You've got satellite TV options, right? You've got cord-cutting streaming-style options. And with movies, it's not just HBO or Showtime or whatever. It's Hulu and it's Netflix and it's Amazon Prime and all these other options. More options, good for consumer. Fewer options, bad for consumer. And if at any point it gets to the point where – All right, let's see. The NFL doesn't really have a competitor. Not really. I know what the XFL is doing, but they're not really a competitor to the the NFL. And oh, by the way, as long as the NFL partners with one and only one satellite company, in this case, DirecTV, to produce the Sunday ticket, it's starting to sound monopolistic, especially if they can prove that you're falsely jacking up the prices the way, Darren, you might jack them up unless intern Will across the street says, man, Darren's really jacking up those prices. I'm going to keep mine low, and he's going to watch all the co- the customers come my way, right? Unless you're really charming, Darren, if Will is selling that gas for 50 cents a gallon less, you better be handsome, charming. You better be walking little old ladies across the street. They ain't paying you just because you're handsome or nice the extra 50 cents a gallon. You know, these big SUVs, they're thinking they can buy lunch with the money they save by shopping at Will's gas station. Again, market forces, right? So what market forces are in play with NFL having one and only one partner for the TV Sunday ticket? Neither of you guys have ever been a customer of that, right? Neither have I, but I have a lot of friends who are. They complain about the price sometimes. And the, sense, the, the essence of this lawsuit is basically – the Sunday picket, ticket package has been an illegal monopoly to falsely jack up prices, to fill the pockets of the NFL and fill the pockets of DirecTV at the expense of, of course, kind, gentle, good-hearted, help little old ladies across the street, NFL fans all across our great nation. I don't know if it's going to win. I don't know if the Supreme Court, which declines, I forget the exact percentage. The, the United States Supreme Court, you may have heard, is busy. So a huge percentage of cases that are appealed to them, they do not accept. Within the next couple of days, the United States Supreme Court is expected to announce whether or not it will take the case on appeal that alleges that the NFL Sunday ticket and the one way and only one way to get it that the NFL sets up is a violation of those mind-numbing antitrust law laws that are a part of our federal government's structure, 1-800-849-2761. There was a court of appeals that reopened this class action lawsuit. Funny thing about it, if they do take it, it's about to become an obsolete question because Roger Goodell has already said out loud that after all these years of a monopoly, I think it's decades now. That the only way you can see every out-of-market game. Decades, there's only been one way to do it. So this, this has been this is a late to the game kind of lawsuit, right? Roger Goodell has already said that he wants to both negotiate an extension with DirecTV, but also in a world of cord cutting and cord shaving, negotiate a new deal with a different outlet that would be a streaming only outlet. Well, now you'd have two options to get Sunday ticket. Now it's less monopolistic, right? Now the lawsuit kind of might go away by itself, but at least for now and for decades, you've had one and only one way to make sure you can see every out-of-market game for your favorite team. And by the way, whatever whatever happens with this case, it has no repercussions for ABC or NBC or Fox or CBS or any network TV partner for reasons that I won't elaborate on because it'll make my own legal brain hurt, uh, it can have repercussions. For Network TV is protected by an antitrust exemption. It's almost like you don't have to play by the same rules. It is. You don't have to play by the same rules. But uh, cable and satellite companies can be impacted by this. If you are just a fan of you know, consumer reports style, fight for the little guy against the monopolistic big guy who's falsely inflating prices. You want the Supreme Court to take this case and you want the little guy to win this case. As it stands now, DirecTV and the NFL want the Supreme Court to take this case because what they think is going to happen is that the Supreme Court will just give them fair free reign and say, no, the way you've set it up is is fair and legal and not monopolistic and not a violation of antitrust rules. So it sounds like they would be on the defensive, but they actually believe the current makeup of the United States Supreme Court will give them the green light and, like, the rubber stamp saying, not only do you win this lawsuit, but you're doing things exactly as you are allowed to do them while raking in a whole lot of money from NFL fans along the way. 1-800-849-2761. If you'd like in on March Madness, the Canes, those NFL headlines of the day, and a big day in the NBA as well. The Clippers visit the Rockets tonight. The Clippers are on a five-game winning streak. The Rockets, to me, are also one of the top four teams in the NBA. Be interesting to see if LA's Clippers can take out the Houston Rockets in Houston tonight. That's the 8 o'clock game on TNT. If I gave you, Darren, only three teams... Are there any three teams you would take over the other 65 that will make up the NCAA tournament? In other words, is this a year where there is so much, whatever you want to call it, not everybody likes the word parody, but are there three teams you like so much that you would take over the other 65? You know, three versus the field, as the saying goes. ESPN's BPI rankings currently suggest that three teams, when you combine their percentage chances of winning, winning it all, three teams together have roughly a 50% chance of winning the big dance. That surprised me. So that statistically in their eyes, it's a coin flip whether you take the three or whether you would take the 65 I was not expecting that in a year like this to be nearly that close to a coin flip 50-50. My instinct was, of course, I'll take the 65 no matter which three you're taking out of the basket. I will tell you, according to ESPN's BPI rankings, which three schools have, of course, the best chance of winning it all, at least according to this formula, and how, when you add these three teams' chances together— It is those three right around 50% and the other 65 combined right around 50%. That story with more of your phone calls and a sad story from SEC Basketball. Kentucky Athletic Director Mitch Barnhart tweeted that there, quote, will be consequences for a Wildcats basketball fan shown yelling a racial slur at a Tennessee fan near the end of the Volunteers' upset victory over the number 6 Wildcats. That was on Tuesday night of this week. A really sad story with a life lesson or two therein. More on that headline with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show.
1: The great difference between sport and capital E entertainment and capital S sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique.
0: We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius.
1: You're listening to The David Glutton Show.
0: show we do have lines open for the first time in a long time Bobby Cremins in the books are we'll give you at least one coach a day coach of the day App State Georgia Tech College of Charleston three-time ACC champion with the Yellow Jackets Roy Williams of UNC will be our coach of the day on tomorrow's program John Mooney all ACC forward Senior with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish also has dropped by. We're talking NFL. The Panthers have traded Trey Turner for another offensive lineman, left tackle Russell Okung of the LA Chargers. More of your questions and comments on that. I gave my two cents earlier. The NHL headlines include the Canes back on the ice tonight in Philadelphia, a rare national TV game for Carolina. They're only one this regular season, NBC Sports Network. You will hear the voice of John Forslund on the TV call. The Flyers have won seven straight games and are very difficult this season to beat at home, especially with their young and talented netminder Carter Hart between the pipes. We'll see if the Canes can get out of a rut where they have lost four of their last five. March Madness in the United season online. Duke, of course, is front and center. Aggies visiting the Eagles tonight with the MIAC regular season title on the Carolina getting together in Durham on Saturday night. Wake continues the Danny Manning watch line. Duke and Carolina getting together in Durham on Saturday night. Wake continues the Danny Manning watch. NC State fans continue the Wolfpack bubble watch. Your questions and comments are welcome at 1-800-849-2761. All right, Darren, NC State fans continue the Wolfpack bubble watch. Your questions and comments are welcome. you were pretty good during the break. I mentioned that ESPN's BPI rankings – Suggest that three college basketball teams, as intern Will has taken your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Three college basketball teams, even in this unusual year that most of us are finding less predictable. And we told you months ago, the ACC champion was not going to be 18-2. and Remember some of those early calls from Duke fans after they'd have like an impressive victory over Kansas or somebody else? Hey, man, 20-0, and even under this new, No, no, nobody's that good compared to the competition. Sure enough, the ACC champion will have at best a 16-4 record. Florida State and Louisville are the two in the driver's seat to win or share that regular season title. And it doesn't feel like a season where you could say, yeah, give me those three, and you can have the other 65 teams in the field. Now, obviously, we don't know the other 65 yet, but you're not really hitching your wagon to one of the last bubble teams in either, so you kind of have a sense. BPI, to my surprise, ESPN's analytics formula Suggests that three and only three teams, when you combine their chance in their opinion, their metric style opinion, which three teams, when you combine them, combine to give a 50% chance to win this year's NCAA title? I didn't I like Duke a lot. I didn't think that Duke plus another favorite like a Kansas or Baylor, plus another favorite like a Gonzaga or San Diego State. I'm mentioning these because they're often thrown out as the most likely number one seeds, not the Blue Devils. They're more in the 2-3 range, but those others are the ones you hear as number one seed candidates. Joe Linardi of ESPN, our guest just yesterday. I would not have believed that this was a year that fit. You take three teams, give somebody else the field, and you both have essentially a 50-50 chance. Again, according to the computers in this case ESPN's BPI rankings. Without any research, you correctly guessed the first two schools on the list. Did you get them in order as well? I believe you did.
1: Yeah, I got those in order and I well with the you caveat said, And you with said the third, first? I said Kansas first and then
0: 18, 18.4% the Jayhawks current chances of cutting down the Nets. Now listen to these numbers, your second second team out of your mouth was the Duke Blue Devils. According to the BPI, 16.3% to win it all. And then you were on an intelligent track.
1: You threw out Dayton and some others that are... Well, I told you, I think the answer was going to be something that wouldn't be what my pick was. So Your prior answer, to the break, yeah. you said if you could pick three teams, and that's kind of how you started, I would have to get a little bit more creative with my third team, so I told you I would pick Dayton, although I, I'm, I was almost certain that wasn't the third team. And you were, were correct about. on
0: that as well. It was Gonzaga, and if I understand your point of view correctly, there are no three teams that you would take over the field. If I forced you to take three, you might go Kansas, Duke, Dayton. And Dayton is my third. Just, but, again, but to be if,
1: creative and have some
0: fun. But if I followed up and said you can either have those three or the other 65, you'd probably be with me and say, I'm taking the 65 over any three that you take off the table. It's almost like yeah, unless it, a golfer is on such fire when they we go to one of these majors and you say, I'm gonna take these three golfers off and you can have the whole field, man. Most of the time you're way safer taking the field.
1: Yeah. Now, granted, like you said, you know, the the bottom ten of the sixty eight at least, you can pretty much write off. I, I think. Oh you're, yeah, you're yeah, safe maybe maybe
0: even the you might be able to write off, frankly, the bottom thirty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, you could. But there are some years in which I feel like the top three, you could pick three teams and have a much better than 50% chance. Some years for sure. Some years, I just don't feel like
0: 75%. I don't feel that this year. No, absolutely not. I mean, the year, what was it? 2015, when Duke won it all for Coach K, his fifth and most recent title. Kentucky was a monster that year. Duke was a monster that year. I think I would have taken those two over the other 66. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I don't, there's no way I would take two or three teams over the field this year. Nevertheless, ESPN's BPI rankings. When you add up those numbers, I just spat out 18.4% for Kansas, 16.3% for Duke. Some are surprised that the devils are head and shoulders above, at least in this formula, UVA and Florida state and at Louisville, given that they're not above them in the standings right now. But whatever you weight you want to put on it or not, Kansas 18.4, Duke 16.3% of winning it all, chance of winning it all, Gonzaga 14.3%. When you add those three together, it is not quite 50, but basically 50%. And that is the reason I raised the question. If, if the, according to this, the other 65 combined have a 50% chance to win, and those three alone or together, those three have a 50% chance to win, it just doesn't fit a narrative that we have been probing for four months now. Now, you could say it, it makes it more fun to believe it's more wide open. Most of our expert analysts, Jay Billis of ESPN, drops by. A lot of the play-by-play guys, Hall of Famer Mike DeCoursey from the Sporting News, among many others. Most of them will tell you that in any given year, they don't believe that the, the true candidates for a national championship goes far into the double digits like most years, even in wide-open, parity-filled years, they're going to say, yeah, it's these five, it's these eight. Uh, Rarely do you say it's these 16. But we have had years where an eight-seed won the NCAA tournament. If you're an eight-seed, you're only viewed as among the 32 best teams, right? I don't think we'll see an eight-seed win it all this year, but I will not at all be surprised If it's not what it usually is, which is the ones and the twos and the threes, the percentage of NCAA titles, tournament has not always been seeded, so you got to call it in the seeding era, the percentage of those who win the NCAA title who were one, two, or three is not just a majority, it is an absolutely enormous majority. It's kind of like the number I gave for the ACC tournament not long ago. 91% of ACC tournaments have been won by the top four seeds. I mean, that's a big number. And this year, you know, the current format allows for the top four seeds to, A, get the double bye. It just so happens that this year, those four are the only four that have assured themselves of NCAA tournament bids. So there's a little bit more of a point of divide there after the four seed than there usually is. And Coach K won it as a five seed, by the way, three years ago. The Devils were not a bad team. It's just the way the tiebreakers shook out. They were the fifth seed and they won the ACC tournament. 91% 91% of the time, the ACC champion comes from the top four seeds. I would bet on that being a case, the case again this year. All due respect to, you know, surging Carolina or anybody else you might like from the bottom two-thirds of the league or so. But that was a funky number that I saw. Kansas, Duke, and Gonzaga, according to ESPN's BPI, the head-and-shoulders frontrunners to be cutting down the nets this year. All right, as we come to your calls on the other side, last call, four phone calls on college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL headlines of the day. Canes at Philly tonight, the rare national TV game. Collective bargaining agreement votes begin today for NFL Players Association members. And, of course, we're talking lots of March Madness in between. Kentucky's athletic director, Mitch Barnhart, tweeted that there will be consequences for a Wildcats fan who on Tuesday night was shown in videos yelling a racial slur at a Tennessee fan near the end of the Volunteers' upset victory over the number 6 Kentucky Wildcats. A guy named Ethan Williams tweeted a video of himself yelling at Kentucky fans as they were leaving Rupp Arena near the end of Tuesday night's 81-73 Tennessee victory. So Williams, the Tennessee fan, is videotaping the obviously disappointed and sometimes angry Kentucky fans as they're digesting the reality of losing to the underdog volunteers. So Williams' video and another video from a spectator seated nearby show a woman who later did identify herself publicly, Ashley Lyles, talked to Lexington, Kentucky TV station WLEX, She stopped and yelled the racial slur in the direction of the videographers on her way out of the arena. She did apologize a little bit later. She even issued a statement. We have fans issuing statements after racial slurs in college basketball. The statement was released by the TV station in which which Ashley Lyles said her reaction was, quote, unacceptable, period. Her apology added, my words were hurtful and hateful and have no place in this world. I apologize to the university and the state of Kentucky for the embarrassment I have caused. I want my apology not just to be in words, but in actions moving forward. And then the story continues. It just struck me as odd. We still live in a world where I think it's one-third of Americans, one-third of Americans believe that white people are discriminated at, against as much or more than minorities. I've been around five decades. I have never seen a white person attacked with the use of a white slur on their way off a basketball game, and yet we have headlines like this all the time, even in 2020. I mean, as if we're in the 1930s or something like that. I've never seen a white player get attacked simply because he's white and yet we have international soccer, domestic soccer incidents, NHL incidents where fans are throwing bananas on the field toward an African-American athlete or making monkey sounds toward an African-American athlete. I mean, you don't have to leave the sports world if your eyes are open and you're not just so hateful and ignorant that you're, willing, you're unwilling to follow the evidence. You don't have to leave the sports world. To realize that if you're in the one third of Americans who still believes that white people are discriminated against as much or more than minorities are, that you are willfully, blindly ignorant and not at all helping a really big problem. I mean, do I really have to give all the other examples? I mean, seriously, all you have to do is care, all you have to do is be willing to pay attention, follow the facts. They will always lead you to the correct conclusions. If you deny the facts because they make you uncomfortable, you're never gonna be part of the solution. You're gonna inherit from your racist and ignorant ancestors and do the same racist, ignorant things that they have done as generations have done in your family or mine. Like all you have to do is watch. Go to a high school sporting event. There are actually many examples, especially in the last three years of fans chanting build that wall when there's an opposing team that has players that they deem to be from Mexican or Latino backgrounds. I mean, it's patently racist. They're just as American as you are. But yet that happens, and there are a lot of examples, and I can't think of one that fits the other direction. I can't think of one. I've been around for five decades. Nobody's personally attacked me simply because of the color of my skin, and those are dozens of examples from the sports world. And you don't have to go into the archives; they happen all the time. Pro pro sports. That example from college sports just this week in college basketball. I mean, you got to be willfully ignorant to be a part of that thir- one third of our country still believes that nonsense ostrich head in the sand man i just have no respect for that approach to things when you will be willfully blind to the avalanche of evidence that is surrounding you that's just no way for any person to be smarter and better no way for our country to be smarter and better and no way we can possibly intelligently tackle what is a very real and obvious problem in the eyes of everybody who is intelligent enough and willing enough to actually pay attention. It's mind-boggling. Again, the latest example from the Tennessee-Kentucky basketball game just the other night. 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls next on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome to the show.
1: Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. Excited for the question that you're going to ask.
0: Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last call for phone calls. Racism in college basketball never stops the games are on tap Eric wants in on how championships are determined we haven't always had an NCAA tournament we haven't always had conference tournaments to determine college basketball champions heck the Ivy League held out for most of my lifetime they just thought hey the regular season whoever finishes first that is our champion and that's that and remember when the NCAA tournament a while ago allowed only one team per league, you had to tell the NCAA, hey, this is how we determine our champion. And for most of the leagues, it was, of course, the conference championship, the tournament, and that automatic bid would go to whichever team, and then that's your representative. There was only one per conference way back when I was a little kid. And prior to that, now, of course, there's unlimited bids per conference as we are fully into March Madness. ACC Women's Event continues in Greensboro as we speak. The Men's Big South Tournament continues. Matchups today include UNC Asheville against Gardner-Webb, two teams here in North Carolina going head-to-head in that league's event. The Men's Southern Conference Tournament begins tomorrow and runs through Monday in lovely Asheville, North Carolina. Western Carolina and UNC Greensboro among the top half of that bracket. East Tennessee State is having such a good season in the SOCON this year that even if they don't win the league in the automatic bid, the tournament rather, uh, they are viewed as a good chance having a good chance at an at-large bid, which almost never happens in the Southern Conference tournament. Good luck to the Spartans. Good luck to the Catamounts as they get underway in Asheville tomorrow let's go to Eric in the Triangle and then we'll get in as many other calls as we can again the racism story was from the Kentucky and Tennessee game on Tuesday night in Lexington where everybody's going home at the end of the game and a Kentucky fan is caught on video spouting racist racist venom toward one of the victorious Tennessee fans caught on video there has been an apology and the Kentucky AD says that there will be consequences for the Wildcats fan who was guilty of those racial slurs. Eric, Eric welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Thanks for having me on. Um, this is kind of a two-part uh, question in the sense that it's a challenge for the re- the listeners as much as a question to you. Uh-huh. Who, what school in the ACC invented the regular season championship by deeming themselves? the regular season ACC champion hanging banners first. Aha. So you're looking for, and this is to this day, some will some will roll their eyes at the concept of a regular season champion. So I will leave it open. I know the answer to this because I've just been around for too long. I will leave it open for anyone who wants to participate as a listener across North Carolina. Eric's question is which school, uh, I guess the best way to put it, who started hanging banners to bring more attention to the concept of a regular season title, even in a league that already had a conference tournament to determine the official champion. I think I know where he's going with this question. I think many longtime college basketball fans in our statewide audience know the answer as well. Eric, do you want to chime in anything else? Okay, he just wants to let he wants to let a listener guess. Do you guys know the answer to that? I know the answer just because I've written about this. The conference tournament champion is the official champion. And some will say, well, there is no such thing as a regular season champion. Well, you know, Duke and Carolina and every other school on their coaches' bios will talk about tournament titles and Final Fours and Sweet Sixteens and NCAA titles, and guess what? Every single one of them will also include a line. Coach K also has blank regular season titles. Dean Smith back in the day also has blank regular season titles.
1: Yeah, and it's also just neater to say that than – you know, there, there's always been regular seasons, right? Someone always ends a regular season with the best record. It's just it's it's less complicated language, so I get it. Well, I mean, again, we didn't always have an NCAA tournament. There
0: were other tournaments, though. But as recently as the last five years, the Ivy League still called their first place team their official champion. They just did not have a tournament, and they would send their regular season champion to the NCAA tournament via their automatic bid. Uh, his question is kind of a dig at the school that is the correct answer to the question because back then, now, you really lose your argument if you're one of those who shrugs your shoulders and rolls your eyes and says, there's no such thing as a regular season tournament. I can't believe they say that. You know what? Look at your own school. If you're going to mock others doing it, you go ahead and call up your own school's website. You call up your favorite coach's bio. And if he won one or two or five or however, it'll be in there, I promise you. And it'll be in the school record book and it'll be in the coach's bio. So again, if you're mocking others, you kind of have to mock yourself because your your school too is keeping track of regular season titles. The reason the question is a dig is because one school started putting up banners celebrating regular season titles whereas others would only put up a banner for a while celebrating the official title, meaning the tournament title. And if you haven't figured out, you know, we're here in ACC country and the rivalries can run deep in a lot of leagues, but the anybody-but-Carolina crowd likes to ask this particular question. That's, That's as big a hint as I could give you without telling you all of the details. There was a famous late legendary coach who often argued, and I believe he was correct, that it is more difficult to win the regular season playing good ball over a matter of months against your fellow conference competition than it is to win a tournament in your league where being hot for three or four or nowadays more days in a row on your way to cutting down the nets. And logically speaking, I think the late legendary UNC coach Dean Smith was right when he would make that claim. Not everybody liked it and a lot of people disliked it when the Tar Heels would raise into the rafters at old Carmichael Auditorium, or, of course, since the mid-'80s, later-'80s, the Dean E. Smith Center that bears Dean Smith's name, Uh, yeah, the Tar Heels, best I know, were the first to just regularly raise the regular season title banner, just as all schools would raise the tournament title banner, meaning the official champion of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now, the places I go, everybody's got banners celebrating those things. Now... So maybe if the Tar Heels started the trend, uh, a lot of others have jumped on the bandwagon. Maybe not every other school, but uh, a huge majority of them, especially those schools that don't have as many banners to hang because they haven't been able to win quite that much. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same
1: sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.
0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. Quick reminder, UNC coach Roy Williams will be among our guests tomorrow on Free For All Friday, heading into, of course, a weekend that includes a lot of fun stuff, including the resumption of that great Duke-Carolina rivalry in Durham. Speaking of Durham... It hosts another great matchup tonight with the Miac regular season title at stake. It is North Carolina A&T and star senior forward Ronald Jackson visiting NC Central with star senior forward Jabri Blunt. If you can't get there in person, 7 o'clock tip also broadcast on ESPNU. A lot of other good college basketball tonight. The U.S. women's national team plays England on national TV, 7 o'clock ESPN2. The Hornets host the Nuggets. The Canes are in Philly, and that is the one and only national TV appearance for Carolina this season. So catch the Canes against the Flyers, 7 o'clock or so on the NBC Sports Network. Your own John Forsland will have the play-by-play call. Clippers Rockets, 8 o'clock. TNT leads the NBA slate. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow.